Presented by Sense and Home Advisor. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floor boards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. What are you working on this fall weekend? If it's in your house, you are in the right place. That's what we're doing, too. And if you've got a project that you'd like to take on and don't know how to get started, maybe you're stuck in the middle of a project, those would be great reasons to pick up the phone and call us at one eight 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 money pit Maybe you want to do a job, but you don't know if you can do it yourself or you need to hire a pro. Maybe you have hired a pro and you're not so sure if they're doing the right job. Hey, whatever job, whatever project, whatever task you are working on around your house, we would love to help. Help yourself first, though, by picking up the phone and calling us at one eight 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 money pit Coming up this hour, if we told you there was one home improvement, just one, that could prevent cracked foundations, rotten siding, and leaky roofs, would you do it? Of course you would, yet surprisingly many people don't. We're going to tell you what that project is just a bit. And if you're planning a home improvement project, you know you have to budget for materials, the cost of the contractor for help, all of those things. But did you also know that you need to budget for the hidden cost of home improvements as well? We're going to share some of those money drains and tell you how you can prepare. And falls upon us, but with all those leaves falling from the trees, what's the best way to get rid of them? We'll have that answer coming up. But first, we want to hear from you. What are you working on, guys? Give us a call. We've got tips. We've got answers. You want to talk decorating. You want to remodel. You want some holiday tips. Whatever it is, we're here to lend a hand 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The number is one eight 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 money pit 888-666-3974. And I'm happy to see we got a lot of fall home improvers out there. Let's get to those calls. Leslie, who's first? Tim in Arkansas, who's got some concrete issues with his patio in his garage. You know, maybe he wouldn't have these problems if his friends didn't help him with it. What's going on, Tim? Uh, it, when it rains, it's, it's, it's uh, busting it and causing it to uh, uh, have holes in the concrete. And it's just like it's forcing it away. And then I do have uh, a four-inch slab. And the concrete is cracking. All right, so the patio is a four-inch slab. The concrete is cracking. Are there a lot of cracks in it? Like, is it severely deteriorated? Well, no, but it, it, it's like, you know, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like going to the center of the garage, and it's uh, it, it's like it started from the four-by-eight four, eight by eight pole. And it's just kind of, uh, all, you know, it just, I don't know, just cracking I don't know how deep it is, but it's just kind of cracking all the way across. So is, is the concrete slab inside the garage, or is it next to the garage? Right, right. Yeah, it's just inside the garage. It's built over there. So look, there's no easy way to fix this. All you can do is seal the cracks and cut down on the moisture that's getting through there. Generally, when those slabs crack, it's because there was some organic material underneath them that rotted away, or perhaps the soil wasn't compacted enough when it was first installed. Replacing the slab is a project, not probably as big of a project as you might think, but it is a project. But unless it's so cracked and so deformed that it's causing, you know, tripping hazard or some other concern like that, I wouldn't do anything further than just sealing it and moving on. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, it's just, you know, like a hairline crack. Yeah. You don't think it'll get any worse, do you? It could, but, you know, it's it's not unusual for these slabs to have hairline cracks. I mean, it's not bothering anything. I just, you know, 
don't know how deep it is. Or yeah, I wouldn't panic over it. It's not it's not a structural issue because the floor is basically just there to give you a surface to drive on. It's not tied into the foundation of the house. Tim, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. All right, now we're going over to Michigan, where Linda's on the line and wants to add on to a farmhouse. How can we help you with that? Well, I have about a 100-year-old farmhouse, and I the only bathroom is upstairs. It's a, a two-story farmhouse, and I want to age in place. Uh, so I want to add another bathroom downstairs, and also uh, I inherited a doll collection from my mother, and it's stored in all the storage and all the rooms, so I kind of want to bring it into one room and add another room for that and hobbies. Uh, people have been suggesting that I just, I'll just add a, break up one of the rooms in the house and just put a bathroom in any old place, but the rooms are really well proportioned. There's good cross ventilation. I, I don't want to have a mess. I want to have some style to the additions. So people have suggested that I go to either an architect or drafter or interior designer. I don't know. I, I'm not sure what that process involves and how many I should go to. Or Well, I think that you hit the nail on the head, and that is to hire an architect, because essentially you want to make sure that whatever you do to this house flows and maintains its structural integrity as well as its design integrity. So an architect can help you do just that. Selecting where to put that bathroom will be you know, a, a balance of compromises, trying to decide where it fits best, best in the design, where the plumbing is now, what it would take to get to the plumbing where it needs to be to, for this particular bathroom, and then how best to design those rooms for your collections and, and that sort of thing. The, the architect can handle with the structure and the mechanical systems. Once that's done, then you can consider bringing in an interior designer to help lay it out, choose colors, choose furniture, and, and, and make it work for you visually. Well, and I think the other good thing about bringing in the architect is they may have an interior designer that they work with. You can bring in your own they'll be able to sort of work together to help you specify the right materials for the right areas. So it really is a strong partnership. I see. Now, do I bring, do I talk or consult with two architects and get their ideas or do I just go with one and, and get the designs? What I would do is I would, I would bring in one or two or maybe three architects to see the property, tell them what you want to accomplish, find out how they work. You get a feel for them. Yeah, they get a feel for you, and then you make a decision based on that. I think you meet with somebody, you meet with two or three architects, as Tom suggested. Just get a feel for them, because you're going to know if you want to work with them. You're going to know how well you communicate back and forth. You'll sort of spitball ideas you know, there during that meeting and get a really good sense of how much they're understanding you. And whoever you feel the most comfortable with, I think, is is what's going to lead you to the right decision. And then you'll start drawings. Okay. Um, I did get... Uh a card from someone he used him, but he's this person. But he was his card says he's a drafting and cons, drafting and a consultant. You don't want a drafter, okay? You want an architect. You just want an architect, a good quality architect. So focus on that first. You could take usually they'll have books that show some of their past projects. You can see what kind of work they do. You know, it's going to be you'll figure out through a process of elimination which one you're most comfortable with, and that's the person that's going to get the job. But they're well worth the investment because they're going to make this process easy, and they're going to be you're going to be assured that it that it comes out exactly as you as you plan. You know, if you bring in, if you go right to the contractor step, they're just going to squeeze this bathroom in wherever uh, they think it fits, and it's just you're not going to be happy with it. So get the architect. They're well worth their investment. Okay, great. 
Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, now I've got Richard in Illinois on the line who's getting some water through the foundation. Tell us what's going on. What it is is over time, uh, I've got a ranch house with a walkout basement. And on uh, the walkout, when you come out, there is a retaining wall that is about eight foot tall where it meets the house. It hasn't really separated from the house, but there is water that gets in between the retaining wall and the foundation, and then it gathers right at the bottom on a heavy rain and then seeps back into the basement. So I'm trying to figure out the previous owner that had this house has put something in there like a caulking of some type that has gotten hard over time, and it's not slowing it down too much. So this is a gravity situation. So let's give you a gravity solution. Let's have the drainage work with you and not against you. And by the way, you can seal this till the cows come home and it's still going to find, it, find its way in. What you have to do is stop the water from accumulating. So on the opposite side of this retaining wall, I'm guessing that there's some runoff that goes towards the wall. Yes, there is. So what you're going to want to do is, is intercept that runoff so we don't get as much water that collects in that area. What we want to try to do is limit the amount of water that gets in that area to just direct rainfall with no runoff. That means no gutter discharge, no uh, runoff from higher elevations. So the way we do that is, is, first of all, examine the gutter situation and make sure there's no water dropping at the high side of this where it could work its way down. If there is, you've got to run a pipe underground to get it to a place where it's not going to interfere with, uh, with leakage into the basement. Secondly, in terms of intercepting the runoff, what you could do is install something called a curtain drain, Richard. It's, really, it's a rather simple drain that you might construct yourself. You dig a trench that's about 12 inches deep and 12 inches wide. You put some stone in that trench. Then you put a perforated pipe on top of the stone, surround it with more stone, lay a piece of filter cloth across the top and cover it with soil. So when it's all done, it's invisible. And the end of that drain that you just installed should exit to daylight somewhere. So you need to figure out the best way to do that based on the configuration of your yard. What that will do is it'll intercept the water that's coming down from higher elevations. It'll fall into that trench, come up into the pipe, and then run around the house as opposed to collecting in that particular corner. If we can keep the water from collecting in that area, you will probably be just fine because it's rare that just direct rainfall accumulates enough water to actually leak in the house. It's it's almost always the runoff from gutters and from drainage. Right. Well, and needless to say, I'll probably have to do some, uh, get rid of some landscaping because it's got some... uh little green bushes there along along that wall as well so yeah and that's a good point because sometimes you can make the problem worse by having landscaping that traps water so just think in terms of water control here not in terms of trying to seal that water out and i think you'll be in good shape richard thanks so much for calling us at 888 money pit you are tuned to the money pit home improvement radio show on air and online at moneypit.com give us a call with your home repair your home improvement question 24 hours a day seven days a week right here at 888 Money Pit. Just ahead, cleaning your gutters isn't exactly the kind of project that you look forward to, but it's one that can prevent a whole host of expensive repairs if you leave it undone. We're going to have tips on the easiest way to tackle that job next. You live in a money pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. 
Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. The number is one 888 Pit. Give us a call with your home improvement questions at 888-666-3974. Presented by HomeAdvisor. You can find out what it costs to do your home project before you hire a pro and instantly book one of HomeAdvisor's top-rated pros for free. Mindy in Kentucky is on the line and has a flooring question. How can we help you with your project? Uh, yes, um, we have a really hideous linoleum in our on our kitchen floor. It's actually been in the house since we bought it. And, of course, it's starting to peel up, and there's actually other linoleum under it. And uh, actually, I'm really afraid to dig any deeper to see how many levels might be on it. <laughs> I was just wondering, is it worth the time and effort, you know, and possible extra cost to to just take everything up? Do you have a dishwasher in that kitchen? No, we do not. I'd love to have one, but I do not have one, no. Well, the reason I ask you is because if you don't take up the old floor, you'd end up sort of sealing in the dishwasher, and it's hard to remove it after that. I mean, generally speaking, I'm an advocate of taking up the old flooring Mm -hmm. because I think it's kind of sloppy to to put new layers over the old. But I can see if it's difficult to get it over for budget reasons that you don't want to go in that direction. But I would recommend you take it up if you can. Okay, okay. All right, well, I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Well, gutters perform one duty, right? Controlling the water around your home. But if the gutters get clogged, it stops them from doing their job. And you can wind up with some surprisingly very expensive problems. My short list would include flooded basements, cracked foundations, rotten wood, leaking roofs, and even wood-destroying insects like termites and carpenter ants. Yeah. Have we motivated you guys to take on this project? Well, if we have, here are some tips to help you out. First of all, be careful. If you're not comfortable with heights or don't use tall ladders regularly, cleaning gutters might not be the job for you. You can consider hiring a handyman to help out. Now, as for the cleaning, use a ladder, work gloves, and a hose. You want to clear the gutters beginning at one end and then move to the other. And always work from the ladder and not from the roof where you could very easily fall off. Now, if you do find any loose gutter sections, you want to tighten them up as you go. It may, though, be very helpful to have a supply of long gutter screws. I love these, and I always use them when I'm replacing loose or missing gutter spikes because the screws are not going to pull out like the spikes. So once you put it in, it's a one-time repair. You're never going to have to do it again. Now, when you get to the end of the gutter where the spout is, you want to spray the hose down the gutter spout to make sure it's clear. And once those spouts are clear... 
Make sure that discharge is extended at least four to six feet away from the house to avoid problems. This is critically important if you have any type of flooding problem below grade in your crawl space or your basement, because if that water's dropping right at the outside of that foundation, it will find its way back in. Yeah, that's very true. Now, you've done a great job. Once you're done with this project, you got to sort of keep up at it, guys. Remember to check those gutters periodically and be mindful of signs that there's something clogged, like maybe they're overflowing in a rainstorm. I had a neighbor who had plants growing out of it, like, and it, you know, a foot tall. That's a good sign things are going on. (laughs) That's a clue, right? (laughs) Definitely. Listen, keeping those gutters clean is the single most effective way to avoid a whole host of very serious and expensive problems. So, So get on it. And we're ready to get on with more of your calls. So pick up the phone and give us a call right now with your home improvement questions at 888 Money Pit. Scott in South Dakota, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? Approximately two weeks ago, we had a major thunderstorm down here. We got eight inches of rain in one hour. We bought this house two, three months ago. Previous owners told us they'd never had rain in the basement, water in the basement. Well, on the front corner side, we got rain. That come, the water came in the foundation up and onto the carpet. Not a little, but not a lot, enough to where we had to tear the carpet out and get rid of it. And the front of the house is... We've got this landscape, got a retaining block, like a landscape retaining wall, where they've got it graded level and bushes and stuff in there. I'm wondering, and that seemed to be the area where it came in at first coming to the basement. Is there something I can do? Do I got to tear that down and just keep it sloped away? Or First of all, a couple of things. Uh, because this happened with such a tremendous storm, I, I wonder if some of this might be covered by your homeowner's insurance. So that's one thing to look into if you've not done it yet. Uh, this is not sort of a normal occurrence. This is something that was like a more of a one-time occurrence brought on by you know eight inches of rainfall. That weather pattern will be well documented. And it might, in fact, be something that's covered by homeowner's insurance. In terms of the solution, Basements flood uh, after rainstorms because of two things that usually go wrong with the drainage. One, and and the most important one, is the gutter system. The gutter system has to be free-flowing, and the downspouts have to be extended. If your home is susceptible to water in the basement, they need to be extended about four to six feet away from the house minimum. Now, most of the time, gutters will be discharging within a foot or so of the foundation, and that water will just go basically from your roof right into your basement, like nonstop. Now, the second thing, of course, is grading. And as you mentioned, as you've described, when you have a retaining wall, Right in that, that that sort of we call the backfill zone around the house, where the where the house was originally excavated, and then the soil was pushed back in against the foundation. Then you build a retaining wall over that. You're really preventing any drainage whatsoever from getting away from that wall. And you're right, fixing that is kind of a big deal because you have to take the retaining wall down, or you have to improve the grading in some way to get it moving away. You may have to use some stone at the front edge of that so water can get through it. What I would suggest to you is to work on the gutter system first. Because that causes most of the problems, in my experience. And then if you still have an ongoing issue, then deal with the drainage second. But fixing the gutter system is the easiest first step. Make sure that those downspouts are extended away from the house. If you want to really do something um, on, a, on a permanent basis, you could run those downspouts underground through solid PVC pipe. Not the perforated kind, but solid PVC pipe. And then break that out to grade somewhere or through a curb into the street, whatever is permitted by your local municipality. 
Uh, or you could possibly go out solid for, say, 20 feet and then use perforated pipe and a stone trench and have it run back on the soil there when it's well away from the house. But manage that roof water first and then worry about the drainage second because that's obviously much more difficult and more costly uh, to correct. Now, if you tackle those projects in that order, I think it would be good to go and pretty much flood-free. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Remember, you can call us with your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right here at 888 Money Pit. Hey, if you're thinking about taking on a tiling project, you want to choose the right look for your home. But remember, that's only a part of the project. We're going to have tips on how you can choose the best type of tile for that project just ahead in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com next. 888 Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now. We'd love to talk about what's going on in your home. The number is 888 Pit, presented by Home Advisor, where it's easy to find top-rated local home improvement pros for any home project. Just go to homeadvisor.com. Sue in Rhode Island needs some help removing paint from something. What's going on? I have a, a, a large deck that's probably 12 by 30, and for the first couple of years, we had oil-based stain on it, and okay. then we accidentally put a latex over the stain. But that didn't work out too well, considering that oil and water don't usually mix. <laughs> oh, I know. I, I thought it was the right stain when I put it on, but yeah, it's probably we peeling up, up right? Like, is it peeling up like crazy right now? Oh, it it was horrible. So yeah. I I power washed the heck out of it. I probably power washed it three, four, five times. I've used paint remover on it. 
you know, that you would use when you, when you refurnish something. And I probably got about three-quarters of it off, but the rest of it is not coming off. So it's not coming off. There's just no way it's coming off. You've uh, scraped, you scraped it. You can't get it off even with a hand scraper? Even with a hand scraper. All right. Well, then let's, let's assume it's got good attachment to the deck, um, and now we've got to get a new coating of stain on there. So um, the most important thing you have to do right now is you have to use an oil-based uh, primer on that entire deck. You've got to put the primer on first, and then you could put uh, an oil-based stain on top of that, get good adhesion. Stay in the same manufacturing family. So if you're going to use Sherwin or Ben Moore, just you know, make sure you stay within that same family of products and use the recommended primer for that type of stain. But if you've tried everything to get that old stain off and it's not coming off, then I think we can safely assume that it's, it's in for good, and you just got to get a new coat on there. But you want to prime it first because the primer is a different characteristic than the stain, and it's going to make sure you have good adhesion to that entire deck surface and stop the peeling from happening again. Does that make sense? All right. Oh, that's been really helpful. I can't wait to stain my deck. All right. Good luck with that project, Sue. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you're planning a new tile project, you'll probably start your selection by narrowing down those tile colors and design. But before you get that far, it's a good idea to understand the types of tile that are available. That's right. We've got tips in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Now, for most projects, you're going to be deciding between two types, ceramic tile and porcelain tile. Now, the ceramic tile is made from a mixture of special clays and natural materials that are mined from the earth, formed into a shape, and then heated in kilns. Now, the ceramic tile can be naturally colored or left unglazed like terracotta, or they can feature colored or highly designed surfaces, which can then be glazed. Most of these ceramic tiles either have a white or red body coloration underneath that glazing colored top. Now, porcelain tile is actually a type of ceramic tile, sort of a form of it, and it's really popular around homeowners. The tiles are made of very fine porcelain clays that are fired at a much higher temperature than ceramic tiles, and that makes them more dense, less porous, much harder, and less prone to moisture and stain absorption than those ceramic tiles. All great reasons that most porcelain tiles are suitable for both indoor and outdoor projects. And that's today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area, compare prices, read verified reviews, and book appointments online, all for free. No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Sam in Tennessee is on the line with a water pressure question. How can we help you today? Yes, I have uh, just purchased a home that is about a... uh, 75 years old, and we're refurbishing it, and we're trying to keep everything as original as we can. I have great water pressure in every every room that has water but my bathtub. Sam, does your 75-year-old home have steel water pipes? It has the old. We're eventually going to replace all the water system, but we're having we're having to live in part of the home now and and redoing. The other half while we live here. <laughs> if you have the original steel water pipes in a 75-year-old home, they are absolutely going to suffer from interior rusting. Uh, what happens with steel is it rusts and expands inward, so it kind of clogs like an artery, so to speak. 
And uh, the older it is, uh, the more that can occur. It's possible that that you may have a, a bad pipe uh, on the way to uh, that uh, tub, that, and that's why you have such a slow fill out of that. The other possible issue is uh, the valve itself that's feeding water. In that same bathroom, I presume you have a sink and a toilet. Do you notice any water pressure problems with those appliances? No, sir. We have, like I said, great pressure everywhere except for that one spigot, you know, and it's the hot and cold runs into one. Well, I mean, the other thing it could be is a bad, it also could be a bad faucet on that tub, but, you know, if it's if the pressure's pretty good everywhere else, it's not it's not likely to be rusted just at the bathroom, at the, at the one fixture itself. Uh, so I would suggest that maybe you want to replace that tub, that set of tub valves, because it's probably obstructing there. Right. Well, actually... It's got the old Tommy Butterfly controls on it. We was really wanting to <laughs> keep it. But. You can find those valves today. There's a lot of sources of antique plumbing, and, and some of the new uh, fixtures and faucets are designed to basically go. You'd be used in a retrofit situation like that. So you can find modern versions that look old. Yes, sir. Thank you. Remember, you can call in your home repair, your home improvement question, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right here at 888 Money Pit. Well, now that fall is upon us, as well as all of those leaves falling from the trees, but burn or bag, whatever you do, what's the best way to get rid of them? We're going to have the answer when the Money Pit returns. Live in a Money Pit. is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. You'll never have to worry about overpaying for a job. Just use their true cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects. Then get matched to top-rated pros, read reviews, get quotes, and book appointments. All for free at HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Never worry about overpaying for a job. Just use HomeAdvisor's true cost guide to see what others paid for similar projects. That's all for free at HomeAdvisor.com. Abraham in New Jersey is on the line looking to vent an attic. What's going on there? Okay, I basically have a regular home. It's a colonial, and the attic is a rough attic with spray foam insulation. There's zero ventilation in the attic, and the second floor has central air. So I would like to know two questions. Would I be saving on air conditioning if I would vent the attic? There's no ceiling fan, nothing if I would put in either an attic fan or a window exhaust fan. And also, currently the attic has an entrance door, a heavy door leading to the attic. Would it save me the air conditioning to leave that entrance door open, thereby allowing the hot air to enter the attic and leave with an exhaust fan, or that's something I should not be doing. So, Abraham, that's a great question. And if you told me that your attic was was uh, insulated with fiberglass insulation, as most are typically, we would talk about what kind of ventilation you'll need. But you said your attic was insulated with spray foam. So, is the spray foam up on the underside of the roof rafters as well as across the floor? Describe it to me. Not on the floor. The floor just has regular boards between the second floor and the attic but there's all all the walls and the you know, and the roof all have spray foam so what you have abraham and in it's actually the same kind of um, insulation setup that i have it's called a conditioned attic in other words 
the attic itself uh, is conditioned and it does not need ventilation. So no, you do not need to vent that. It's actually pretty efficient right the way it is. Now you mentioned that there was a door uh, between those two spaces. If that door uh, tends to get a little warm or the wall or the ceiling tends to get a little warm, you could add some additional insulation there. Uh, In my case, I actually had an older house, so my um, attic uh, floor slash second floor ceiling um, already had fiberglass in it. We left that there, but then we spray foamed the underside of the roof rafters. And, uh, and the gable walls. And it's amazing. When we go up in our attic, it's practically the same temperature as the rest of the house. It's just done so well. So you do not need to ventilate an attic that was uh, sprayed with foam because it's not the type of attic that needs to be vented. Yeah, because when I go up to my attic, it is extremely hot. I, don't, I never measure with a thermometer how much warmer it is. So that's why I was wondering if that's going to warm up the second floor, requiring me more air conditioning for the second floor. So I was thinking of ventilating the attic cool off the attic. I think that if it was done right, you don't need to vent it. Um, how long ago was the spray foam done, and, and, and who did it? It was done locally, and it was within the past within the past year. It was a new home. Oh, really? Oh, it's brand new within the past year. Yeah. Now, I wonder if they put enough insulation in there, because the insulation should be keeping that heat on the outside, and the, and the air conditioning or the, the internal sort of ambient temperature of the house should be keeping it pretty comfortable on the inside. Um, I, I wonder if you have enough insulation there, and um, I have a suggestion for you that you speak with another spray foam manufacturer, spray foam uh, contractor aside from the one that did it and kind of have an opinion as to whether or not there's enough insulation there for your part of the of the country. I think that will actually uh, make a lot of sense. Okay, thank you so much. Hope that helps you out. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, falls upon us, and with all those leaves falling from the trees, have you ever noticed that many people love to burn those leaves? Yeah, but you know what? Burning them isn't necessarily the best idea. Those flames can spread very easily. Plus, you're giving up nutrients that may have helped to feed the rest of your yard. Now, a much safer option is to toss those leaves into a compost bin. Then you can nurture flowers, vegetable gardens come springtime. I mean, it's really very useful that way. Also, if you've got a lawnmower that's suited for mulching, you can Run it over the leaves. Now, those chopped up pieces are going to help feed the grass as it remains dormant through the winter months. And of course, if your town does offer leaf pickup, you may be able to just rake them to the curb. Here's a trick for that, though. Lay out a tarp on the grass and then rake the leaves onto the tarp. Then just drag that tarp over to the curb. It makes it a lot easier. It takes the stress out of all of that work and uh, allows you to get them over there quickly and in a, in, in a lot bigger pile, frankly, yeah. than you could do with a wheelbarrow. <laughs> it's much better than me sort of just like continually raking it closer and closer and closer to the curb. Just no jumping in the leaves if they're in the street, kids. True. Peggy in Louisiana is on the line with a concrete question. What can we do for you today? Well, we have a slab concrete bottom and it's built up with the uh, board skeletons and it's covered with vinyl siding. And um, being in Louisiana, it rains a lot, and the rain comes on the porch to where it's um, eating the inside wall, which is wooden, on the bottom. And um, I want to know how I can seal the outside vinyl siding to concrete slab to keep the water from coming in. So what's happening is that your concrete slab is in contact with the bottom of the vinyl siding. Is that correct? Yes. And um, right under that siding, is that wood a wood wall all the way down to the bottom where that slab is? Because typically you'd have about six inches of foundation before you started the siding at a minimum. And then the vinyl siding would start. So if your vinyl siding is going down flush to the slab, 
it's going to be almost impossible for you to seal it in any way, shape, or form from the outside and stop that from happening. Your only chance would be to take the siding off and then to install some flexible flashings. There's different types of flashing that you can use. There are rubberized flashings that are very good because you can basically form them wherever you need to get that entire area as tight as you possibly can and then put the siding back on on top of that. Siding itself, especially vinyl siding, you know, if you were to caulk that or anything of that nature, it's not really designed to seal in that way. So I feel like you're just going to be kind of running yourself in circles there. And while it could stop to some extent or slow down, at least temporarily, that leakage that you're reporting, the only way to really fix that and to get to the bottom of it is to pull that siding off and to flash it. And the only, we're only talking about the bottom of the siding here, not the, all the siding in the house. But the bottom couple of pieces would have to come off to do this job. Okay, well, thank you very much. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Remember, you can reach us anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with your home repair or your home improvement question right here at 888 Money Pit. Well, maybe you're thinking about adding some insulation to your attic, but you're not really wanting to give up that storage space that you use for all the stuff that you keep up there. We're going to share a tip that'll help you have both after this. solutions live this is the money pit home improvement show i'm tom kreitler and i'm leslie segretti give us a call at 888 money pit presented by homeadvisor.com you never have to worry about overpaying for a job again just use their true cost guide and you can see what others have paid for similar projects and then you can get matched with top rated pros read their reviews get quotes book appointments it's all for free online at homeadvisor.com and while you're online post your questions to the money pit community section or on our facebook page and we'll jump into those just like I've got one here from Will who writes I want to add insulation beneath my attic floor but I'd have to pull that floor up first to do it how will this affect my second floor ceiling I'm also worried that the ceiling beneath it is protected by the attic floor well all good questions Will and I'd be happy to tell you you are totally overthinking this because to add insulation beneath that attic floor you don't really have to remove the attic floor. As long as you don't mind giving up some storage space, you could insulate right on top of that floor. There's no reason you can't leave the wood as part of that mix. What we would advise you to do, head on out to the home center, pick up some very thick fiberglass bats, make sure they're unfaced, and then lay them side by side, edge to edge, right across that floor, wherever you want the additional insulation. Just leave a space maybe in the middle of it where there's no extra insulation, and you can store in that area. But everywhere else, you can add the insulation on top of the floor, and you'll get a lot more efficiency and comfort and cut those heating costs in the process. All right, well, you're going to find their energy bills are coming down, and you'll be super cozy. Well, if you're an animal lover, can you also have stylish decor and coexist? Leslie says you can and has the details in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know what? You can have pets and you can have home decor that you love. You don't have to sacrifice one for the other. 
You just have to remember durable, easy-to-clean paints, antimicrobial stain-resistant rugs, and more. All of that means that a beautiful home and a furry pet are no longer incompatible. Now, there are a lot of paint companies out there that have flat paints that are wipeable, and that's a feature that previously was only offered with a more glossy finish. And that's great because if you like the look of a smoother, less shiny wall, you're going to go for a flat or a scrubbable mat, and you want to make sure that it's washable because for some reason, these dogs love to drag themselves against the wall. Sherman made like a whole collar mark across the wall in the dining room when we first got him. (laughs) But I mean, it was able to be cleaned and he doesn't do it anymore. But when you first get a pet, sometimes they do weird things, especially rescues. Remember, adopt, don't shop. Now, when we're talking about fabrics, you can find stain resistant and antimicrobial fabrics as well in a range of styles, even soft textures. And you want to look for tiles that are made with nanotex. Now, that's going to make those fibers stain-resistant and waterproof. The other thing you want to check when you're dealing with a fabric and you've got a dog or a cat, you want to sort of do the scratch test on it. Anything that had a sort of like an open weave or like a bigger loop to it, an animal's you know, claws are going to get stuck in it and they're going to pull it and it's going to just look terrible in a very short amount of time. So sort of give it the scratch test first to make sure there's nothing that they can drag and pull apart. Now, also, guys, it could be a luxury to just devote a single room or have a large enough mudroom to create that sort of pet bedroom, but it is becoming more common. So even if the space does double duty as an office or a laundry room, you can create a secure area for your pet by keeping their food, their bed, all their familiar toys in one place. And it's also good because if you have company over that maybe isn't so comfortable around an animal, they're comfortable in that space and you can sort of cordon that animal into that area while the guest is over so everybody feels feels happy because even though your guest is nervous, your pet's nervous too. So take care of the animals, have a beautiful home. You can have it all at the same time. Good advice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show coming up next time on the program. Did you know that fall is the best time of the year to plant next year's flower bulbs? We'll tell you the steps you can take right now for your best and brightest garden yet on the next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Say big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in store and on Menards.com. Say 